listening to the Niagara Sports Hub with Mike Fisher. I'm here with Tim Ward and Mike Fisher. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Outstanding. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Got a lot Getting of excited for some NFL playoffs. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Including uh, the, the the idea, the, the national media idea that the Cowboys are overrated and are going to lose a game in which they're favored by three at home, which can happen, but I, I, I find the the attraction uh, to the 49ers to be a cute, trendy, nonsensical thing. Well, there's one thing on that, or one player on that team on San Francisco that would scare me, and you have to game plan for him, is Debo Samuel. That guy, I mean, catching, running after the catch, running. Now he's a running back. So, I mean, you, you take that guy out of the equation, I think you win the game pretty easily. Um, yeah, and what's what's great about him and what, what they do with him this is a wide receiver, as you mentioned. They put him at running back, and he's he's a downhill runner. Mm-hmm. Usually, you put – like the Cowboys uh, put CeeDee Lamb in the backfield once in a while. He's got a couple carries this year. You know, yeah. so he can sprint to the outside. Yeah, uh, You'll see teams run the jet sweep, yep. which is a, quote, running play, and they'll have their fastest wide receiver run a sweep. But they give Debo the ball, and he's he's listed at like six foot 220. So obviously he's running back big, but he he plays and runs bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And so between his ability to help you control the ball and then his explosiveness as a receiver, along with the tight end George Kittle, there's no doubt if their quarterback is playing okay, then their offense can be a handful because they can control the ball and they can explode on you as well. Get in Jimmy G's head, and I think it's an easy win. And his thumb. <laughs> his thumb as well. Uh, you know, he's got a torn up thumb on his throwing hand. He was limited on Wednesday. He practiced fully on Thursday, but fully is relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think I'm being mean when I say, I mean, this is just part of game. It's definitely part of hockey. You, I know you guys are, 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 are know your hockey. If you find out that a guy on the other team has a sore wrist, yeah. you hit him on the wrist with your stick. It's just what, it's just part of the game. It's why in hockey, I don't know if they still get away with this, but that, you know, you have to have an injury list, probably for the gamblers. So they'll list a guy, but if, they, if he's got a sore ankle, they'll say it's his wrist. If he's got a wrist, they'll say it's his ankle. So the other team will hit him on the wrong injury. I don't know how, if you're a pass rushing defensive end, how completely cognizant you can be body control wise of saying, I would like to put my helmet on Jimmy G's thumb, but it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and and it'll it'll impact the game if that happens greatly. So newly ousted Bears coach uh, Matt Nagy was infamous or famous for always saying, well, they look good in practice. They had a great practice. And then they got smoked on the weekend. How, yeah. how have the Cowboys looked? I mean, can you tell? Are they looking good? This week, we have not been uh, allowed in uh, to the building, oh. COVID protection. They were going to, the NFL was going to allow it because there's about 12 of us who get in there. And then instead, we've just been doing the, the WebEx Zoom stuff. They are certainly taking the us against the world thing seriously. And again, you can, if, if you, if you grab that thing and funnel it properly, that can be helpful. I tell the story about Jimmy Johnson's teams in the nineties, when they went on the road, they, he did not let them let the players leave the hotel. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, we're going home. Well, Jimmy, but coach, you know, I'm from Atlanta and we're going to it. Good. Tell your family to come to the lobby and they can come say hi to you. Uh, now when they went to the Super Bowl, those, those years, he loosened up a little bit, knowing full well guys were going to 
that Monday at the Super Bowl was a cut loose Monday. Mm-hmm. And, and that was going to have to be okay. But otherwise, it's us against the world. So I don't want you out there fraternizing with the world. I just want us being us. And Dak Prescott yesterday said, he goes, I, I, I don't really care what people outside the building think. We know what we think inside the building. So they are taking to heart this idea that somehow the 49ers are America's darlings, even though the Cowboys are America's team. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that um, about 10 or 12 years, eh, maybe longer than that, you know, I used to go out late. This is before I was married. You go out, have some drinks. I was at a bar in uh, Libertyville, Tim, and it was about maybe two in the morning closing time. I look over and Olin Krutz and some other guys were still like, I mean, it was the night before a game. It wasn't playoffs, but it was yeah. the our game. I'm like, huh, they must, <laughs> they must think they're just going to wake up and you know, just roll people over, but. Well, maybe it was a late afternoon game. (laughs) Could have been. (laughs) Could have been. Hey, before we get into some playoff talk with other teams, and I was listening to sports radio yesterday, and they had uh, Dave Wanstead on. Yes. And and, uh, he was saying that he has a a show this weekend for Fox, and Jimmy Johnson's going to pick him up in his private plane, and they're going to stop in Texas and pick up uh, Terry Bradshaw, and they're going to fly to L.A. to do their show. Good. So, so I got two questions for you. Have you ever been on Jimmy Johnson's private plane? No. <laughs> and second of all, what kind of guy is Dave Wanstead? Have you ever met him? Yeah. And- yeah. So, um, yeah, Jimmy, of course, is famous for having his boat. Yeah. And um, if you are very, very special, you get to go on Jimmy's boat. You would have to be super special to get on Jimmy's plane. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, since he lives in Florida, but kind of works in California, and uh, he's wealthy enough now, a private plane makes good sense. Dave Wanstead is a prince. I, I still, to this day, am shocked and disappointed that it didn't work in Chicago yeah. as a head coach, because it all made sense. He is, I hope he's, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I hope he somehow listens to this so he knows I think this. He is a leader of men. He is the highest quality person. He used to go to mass. He used to go to mass every morning, every morning. So, you know, you get this coaches kind of do this fake religion thing, you know, faith, football, family. And a lot of them, I I hate to question anybody's faith. That's not fair. Uh, Let me rephrase that. It's become a cliche for football coaches to make sure the audience knows that they're a person of faith. Yeah. How about that? Dave Wanstead went to church every morning. Before, and then went to work. He's very real in that way. Uh, he's very bright, of course. He played offensive line and and didn't quite make it in the NFL and then became a defensive expert, of course. I also thought that he had some Ditka in him, that that was going to work. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, a tough guy, smart guy, mustache, the whole thing. It just... It just, it, to, to this day, shocks me that it, that it didn't work for Dave Wanstead. But he used to, here's how, here, here's how good he was to me. So I wrote for the newspaper, of course, here in DFW. And every year, you know, at the start of training camp, you got to come up with your roster predictions, right? Who's going to make the final roster, 47 or 53 or whatever it was. Well, by gosh, if I didn't nail it, every single first day of training camp for whatever, you know, four years. And the reason I nailed it is because the day before training camp, Dave Wanstead, the defensive coordinator, 
and North Turner, the offensive coordinator, would hand me a sheet of paper with, with who was going to make the team. <laughs> you had inside information. It, was, it couldn't have been more inside. And so we would agree, you know, I'm, I, would, I would change a couple of the names. It would look a little fishy if I literally nailed every, all 53 guys. But I nailed 51 of the 53 or so every year because of the help of Wanstead. So, yeah, he, uh, I'm in his debt for how he helped me learn so much about football. And uh, he, is a, he is just a fantastic guy, yeah. the, just the best. Yeah, he does a lot of local stuff in Chicago um, on TV, and he does radio, and he's just, yeah. he's just a great guy. Yeah, he really is. John, there was a North Turner reference in there, and there's another connection to the Chicago Bears with his brother, Ron Turner. Oh, that's right. Did you like Turner when he was with the Bears? Uh, as an offensive coordinator? Yeah, I thought yeah, he, was, yeah. he was good. He was, you know, the former Illini coach, too. too. Yeah, he was a coach for Illinois. Yeah. I, I actually thought he was a great offensive mind in college and yeah. did fairly well, but uh, Illinois thought they could do better, I guess. Well, and then the judgment of whether or not, hey, did you like him? Well, did he win enough games? That's right. You, you'll, you, you end up not liking him if he doesn't win games. I, I assume in Chicago – Fans think, oh yeah, Dave, you know, he was okay. Because he didn't win enough games. Yeah. Maybe he's changed, maybe he's like pumped up his image there because of his media mm-hmm. work there. But I say this all the time. The smartest coach in America might be some middle school coach who goes oh yeah. and nine every year. But how are we gonna how are we ever gonna know he's smart? Yeah. He's in middle school and he goes oh and nine. Yeah. Well, there there's eight coaching slots open right now. I I think the Vegas job is the current coaches to have. I know Mike, you're you're friends with him or colleagues yeah. with him. Um, John, do you think Harbaugh's coming out of Michigan? I mean, what do you think? God, I hope not. No, uh, I'm not a big fan of of Jim Har. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but it seems like he's uh, you know he's been institutionalized at Michigan, and then he gets to these big games and just kind of so. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of him coming to uh, Chicago. Here's here's the buzz on Rich Bisaccia in Las Vegas. Vegas. If he wins that game, they're going to have a tough time firing him. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, now, it's you know this isn't always a meritocracy. We just saw that with David Culley in Houston. And uh, you know, if I can if I can find a better coach, I'm firing this coach. I, I don't I don't care. They and, did the same in Miami, that's, basically. That's the, yeah, and and of course in Miami. The, the difference between, and ironically, it might be Brian Flores who replaces David Culley, Patriot South down there in Houston. But ironically, David Culley is a sweet man. Brian Flores is not a sweet man. Yeah. That's not his, that's not his MO. That's not how, now he might, I'm sure his mom thinks he is, but he's a bad man and very difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. He's a Bears candidate. Yeah. In fact, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears come down to Eric Bieniemy versus Brian Flores. And I wouldn't be surprised if Houston comes down to Jared Mayo, another Patriots guy, mm-hmm. versus uh, Brian Flores. The Harbaugh angle that I hear is this. He just wants he just wants the Raiders to call him so Michigan can get all nervous, so he can get a $90 million contract. And that does fit with Harbaugh's history. Yeah. So I think Harbaugh stays at Michigan mm-hmm. because they give him ninety million dollars, which is what everybody seems to get nowadays. Well, and if you and if Flores gets a job, uh, Bienemy gets a job. You know, we're bringing some black coaches back into the league. I think yeah. that's 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 critical uh, for the face of the NFL. I think Bienemy is going to be a 
great coach someday. He was, I loved him as a player at Colorado. I, you know, he's been a great assistant coach at KC. So I think he's, he's going to be a great coach. Um, in Colorado, where of course he played in Boulder, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, uh, uh, Dan Quinn is the leader in the clubhouse there. They have zeroed in on him, but Eric Bieniemy should absolutely be a candidate there. Uh, it, he's, a, he's a local hero, so you get credibility that way. It's it's his turn, yeah. If you believe in such things, well, it, I was going to ask: turn. Is are Quinn more gone from Cowboys after this year? Quinn's going to get job offers. He is going to he blows you away in interview with his intellect and passion. Kellen does not own a room in the same way. That's not his personality. So can Kellen command a room? And when you're on a Zoom meeting, how do you command the room? It's even more difficult. Mm-hmm. But I had a guy uh, who works here who's close with Jason Garrett, too, who says as brilliant as Jason Garrett is just intellectually, that the smartest guy in the room, the smartest coach in the room is Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. And so you get Kellen Moore in front of a blackboard, let him let him show his uh, unveil his plan. And don't worry about the fact that he looks like the pizza delivery boy. <laughs> he does. He does. He does. Yeah. And your team's going to have to get over that. <laughs> your, your general, your owner's going to have to figure that out. Your issue on the black coaches, uh, and some people find this take controversial. I'm glad that you said it. Uh, it's just, it's not controversial. It's just so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. 70% of the employees are black. Why shouldn't their boss be black? Yep. Now, should it be 70% of co- no, I I'm not I'm not saying there's got to be a quota. Yeah. I'm not saying there's a magic number. But all things being equal, if I had to choose between a black coach and a white coach, I would choose a black coach because his employees it increases the chances of them relating to each other. And before the listener says, that seems racist. Think about it another way. When I go into a locker room to go meet the new players, any connection that I can possibly have, oh, you played at the University of Minnesota? I'm from Minnesota. Oh, you played at Colorado? I went to high school and college in Colorado. Oh, you're from, I used to cover the 40. Any connection you can make, any interpersonal connection, black, white, man, woman, whatever it is, uh, then, then you need that. This is a billion dollar industry. And I think it's a mistake that teams pass up on that consideration. If you're going to go coach the Mexican soccer team, you probably should speak Spanish. Yeah. I don't think that's racial. I don't think it's racist. I think it's logical. Well, I've been hearing uh, rumors, Kellen Moore, there's interest from the Vikings for that spot. Yeah. Um, I read all, all every day about the Bears, and uh, the latest was Leslie Frazier, who was a former Bear, and he's a good guy, but He's yes. he's kind of like, <laughs> like does he hold a room? I think he's asleep half the time, but I don't know. He's a good guy. He's a good coach, good defensive coach. But uh, yeah, like Tim said, more more black people into uh, the coaching ranks. Uh, Byron Leftwich is another name that's been thrown out there. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Cowboys game. The first game tomorrow is the Raiders Bengals. It's a over under forty nine. Not that we're betting here or anything, but. I, I'm hoping the Raiders can take it to the Bengals. I just think Joe Burrow's a special quarterback. Um, and then he went and drafted a special wide receiver yeah, to work with him. What, what I like about the Bengals situation, I like when the system works. And this NFL is set up, so you're not supposed to be bad for very long. If you're bad, you get the top pick. Uh, you get an easier schedule. 
So I, I'm glad that this is, it's not good for football if the Bengals are always bad. That's not healthy for football. So if we're going to do it, if we're going to do parity, let's do parity. The, the fact that the Bengals have used the system and it's now working, um, I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Bengals necessarily, but I'm happy that that the Bengals aren't bad because they, they were supposed to be able to be good and now they are. Hey, before we even get to the, you know, the Raiders and the and the Bengals, did Brandon Staley coach his team out of the playoffs with calling that timeout? <laughs> what do you think about that? I, I I don't think it really would have mattered anyway, but it was interesting after the comments after yeah. the game. I don't think there's like magical answers, uh, the rights or wrongs. I just know this. I don't have this conversation with the football analytics guys because they disagree. But the football football guys who go, we're over, we're overdoing analytics. I was talking to an NFL, prominent NFL scout. He goes, listen, I've been doing analytics since I started coaching. I was doing analytics in 1970. It, it's just math. 40% of the time on third down, they run to the left. That's analytics. We've been doing that in football for 100 years. He goes, and he, and he kind of helps me craft this. It's easier for a football guy to learn math than it is for a math professor to learn football. You can be a football coach and immerse yourself and live math. It's really hard to be a math professor and immerse yourself in football because it, it would mean you have never played. Not that that's, not that that's the be-all, end-all. But I'd rather be a football coach learning math than be a math professor learning football. And in that regard, analytics. How does the computer know if it's windy? How does the computer know if Jimmy G's got a bum thumb? How does the computer? The computer might say, oh, don't blitz on this down and this certain. But the computer doesn't know that if you blitz Jimmy G and hit him on the thumb, you're going to win the game. Yeah, how do so, you, how does a computer know that you know the guys are out till two in the morning having right. <laughs> exactly right? How do they know that Olin Cruz is out with you that night? So, Looking for um, a fight somewhere. It's yeah. just like anything with with your with your computer. The information is only as good. It only spits out information that's as good as what you spit in, and you can't spit in whether it's windy. These games on Saturday, that game in Buffalo is going to be whatever three degrees or whatever it is. The computer does not calculate what to do when it's three degrees. It doesn't know, can't know. And so whether it's Staley or somebody else, the combination combination of analytics and, and my gut, how's the game going? Yeah. Listen, if I've got a great left tackle and a great left guard, and you've got a lousy defensive end and a lousy defensive tackle on fourth and one, I'm going for it. Yeah. Because you won't stop me. Yeah. I might go for it the whole game on fourth and one. Yeah. Because you'll never stop. Because I believe you won't stop me. The, the, the computer doesn't calculate that. Well, you know, there's a great movie out there, Moneyball. I'm sure we've all seen it with uh, Billy yeah. Bean and his, his, you know, his reverence for, for the metrics. And there was a scene where he's sitting at the table with these guys and he's talking about the metrics and we need to substitute players for this. And it's all about just the math and the scouts across the table are like, but what about, and he eventually fired him. And I kind yeah. of agree with the scouts. Like you were saying, like you got, you know, how do you know? I, I'm for the uh, anti-metrics when, when, like you said, your gut is telling you to do something or you, you, you see something on the field that, you know, the computer is not going to see. So, and I don't know enough about the real story of, 
But first of all, did they ever win the World Series? No. I mean, there's the answer. I thought. It was, I, thought <laughs> I mean, okay. End of story. I I assume that the real Billy Bean, and I don't know very much about it. It is also a scout. That he's not just a math. I mean, he played. Base, he played minor league baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was a he was a baseball lifer. So I think he also can recognize. I th- I bet you anything, no matter what the movie and the book says. There's got to be some point where he says, "I don't care what the numbers say. I I can see that guy's can hit a baseball. That I don't fact. care if he's zero for ten. I can see it. Any of us who played sports, we there is there is the gut. There, you know, um, my my reference point is slow pitch softball, where we used to play a hundred games of summer, and I was the manager of the team. There's there's got guys. I didn't care if this guy had been oh oh for his last ten. Tom Gash was his name. Gash. Uh, and he played minor league baseball and he was our shortstop. I don't care what kind of a slump was he, he was in. If I could pick a guy to go get a hit, I'd pick him. Cause, cause he was Tom Gash. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and there's no analytics that can overcome being Tom Gash. Damn it. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, there's going to be an old school football game on Saturday night in in Buffalo. Yeah. With Buffalo and Patriots. It's, it comes down to the weather could play a factor, but these are two East Coast teams that play in bad weather, so it should be a good game regardless. I'm I'm anxious to watch this game. Besides the 49ers game and Cowboys and my Rams and Cardinals on Monday night, yeah. this Bills-Patriots game is leading up to be a big game. Well, we go back to that regular season game in Buffalo in the weather where Belichick reinvented football in reverse and just said, you know, listen, it's – it's 1920. The, the, the ball is round and fat. We're just going to run it. And yeah. it was kind of cool. Are, is he going to do that again? Can the Bills combat that? And then there's this interesting nugget. These two teams haven't played each other in the playoffs since the end of the 60s. 68, 69. Now, you would think over the course of 50 years that they might have accidentally bumped into each other. But I guess for the most part especially the Bills, one has been really good and one hasn't. And that's the story here. But now one's really good and one has a really good coach. And the uh, Steelers at the Chiefs, uh, no one's given the Steelers a chance. I like the underdog story. So this is a Big Ben's last game as a Steeler. I think that's probably the biggest story. Yeah. Now you're not, you're not betting money that the Steelers win. No. You're saying I like, I, I yeah. enjoy the underdog yeah. battle. Yeah. Yeah. And they've even admitted, like, listen, no one's giving us a chance. Let's just go out there and have fun and play football. Right. We'll see what happens. Kind of like, like Philly. Nobody's given Philly much of a chance at Tampa Bay because Tom is Tom. Just in case, though, we'll watch. <laughs> That's right. It's an NFL. And then you know, Monday the Chiefs, night. The, the Chiefs have not established that they're infallible. Nope, not at all. They, they've, they've had plenty of bumps and valleys and warts. So. They're one, one quarterback injury from losing. That's true, too. And then they, in the NFL weekend with the Rams and the Cardinals on Monday night, don't know what to expect. I, I hope my Rams show up, but I've just the Cardinals scare the shit out of me. Well, go back to the two games they played. The, the Rams beat them 30 to 20 or so, and they beat the Rams 30 to 20. Yeah. So somebody's going to win 30 to 20. That's all I know. Well, the Cardinals haven't played well at home, and then they go, maybe they play better they go on, on the road, road and so, they win. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll both teams. The Cardinals obviously finished the year not well. Not at all. Their, their Cowboys victory notwithstanding. 
And the Rams have to feel awful about giving that away. A good team with a 17 nothing lead. Is that right? 17 nothing. Yeah. And they gave life to the 49ers. 17, here's what's funny about it all. The Rams are winning 17 to nothing. There's nobody in America that thinks the 49ers are good. And now here we are a week later and everybody thinks, oh, the 49ers are the toughest draw. Yeah. No, no, they're not. (laughs) The Cowboys are a tougher draw than the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. And the Rams roster makes the Rams a tough draw, even though obviously you're disappointed in how they played down the stretch in that game. Hey, before we let you go, um, you know, thanks for joining us every week in Niagara for supporting this podcast. Exactly. Uh, we really appreciate it. We love talking to you, Mike. There was a, a thing that happened last week or maybe the last game with, and I've talked to Tim about this, with the Philadelphia Eagles, where Jason Kelsey came out for one snap yeah. and he, you know, prolonged his 122 straight games, whatever. And are we going to see guys being like rolled out in wheelchairs to, you know, dump down the field to play one snap and then rolled back out just so they can get their, their thing. I don't know. It kind of cheapens it for me. I, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? It's kind of the on-field version of the, I'm going to sign a one day contract so I can retire a cowboy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's cute. What I thought was weird is the broadcast crew and the camera crew were just in love with him. I know. I know. Every single time there was a reaction shot. Hey, it's third down. What are they going <laughs> to show him? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, listen. I recognize he's 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 a good football player and he's been there a long time. I think if he went and watched the TV broadcast, I don't know him, but given his reputation and the reputation that they painted of him, which is he's humble and modest and uh, and doesn't want the spotlight and all that. Because remember, they said after he ran his play, he like ran off the field. He didn't want to take a bow. If he watches the three-hour broadcast and realizes that two and a half hours of it were about him, <laughs> he, he might be even more humiliated. Well, JP, here's hoping the Bears find a new coach this week. The Cowboys win, the Rams win, and next week when we talk, we'll have a much better conversation. The Rams lose, the Cowboys lose, and, the, and your Bears pick a dud for a coach. I think next week could be a rough week. I think two of the three will probably happen, and the Bears – coaching they'll let us down somehow so you you guys will be happy and we'll be in mediocreville mediocreville whatever so all right guys well thanks for jumping on always a pleasure thanks guys